and glad there is a word from God. Do you just feel good? Can you feel that in the air? Can you feel the spirit of God in this place? We're so wonderfully blessed by it today. We are in our series called Baggage. We're talking about our baggage series. We've been in it for a few weeks, and it has been blessing us. And it's time, everybody, what does it say underneath baggage? It's time to unpack what's holding you back. How many across the past few weeks have found something that's helped them and given them some freedom and deliverance? If so, give God some praise for it today. We're glad that God is moving. Because there's so many things and so many types of baggage. And our theme scripture is in the book of Hebrews. And we'll be in Hebrews some today that says, Lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. And looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Because there are so many things that can hold us back. But I declare that you are free today in Jesus' name. If you pull up on the screen, guys, though that, that white screen, I want them to take a look at it and just review. There are so many things things that that can hold us back many times we just work to have a sin-free life but there is a a, a call on you to have a weight-free life to get rid of all the weights and the things that keep you from blessing God and to working in the presence of God and today we have a word for you today we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Many of them are near and dear to my heart, and if you'll be honest, they all hit home. I don't know if the media team can pull up that screen, but if you could pull up that white screen, I want them to be able to read, but we're going to read and go ahead and start with the word of the Lord since they're already there. If you could stand for the reading, if you can, for the reading of the word, if you can't, that's fine. But one day we'll have a time where we may not be able to stand. So if you're able to stand, make the most of it now and thank God for that. Let's read in concert. Ready, read. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now we're going to go over to the book of Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to start reading there through verse 20. Read with me. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back all the wrongs we did to him? So they went to send the word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God, of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and said, We are your slaves. He said, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. I am in the place. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. From this scripture, other related scriptures, and by aid of the Holy Spirit this morning, we want to talk to you from this topic. Everybody say that with me. Beating bitterness. You may be seated in the presence of God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, help us not to be bitter. Help us to be free. Give us your word, and we receive gladly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. (laughs) Amen. 
Bitterness is something that though many people are saved, they still deal with it. And many times they're not even aware that they are dealing with bitterness. And bitterness is very deadly because if you allow bitterness to sit in your soul, it will change your disposition. It will change your life. It will ransack your faith. It will ransack your walk with God. And it will utterly leave you powerless and defenseless. For defenseless. And this morning I declare that we are going to be free from the bondage of bitterness. We're talking about the root of bitterness and roots are produced. I don't know if you know that, but I'm a country boy that roots are produced by seeds and seeds can only be produced uh, anything if they have soil that is conducive to nourish it, something that gives it life. And that's why it's important that we look at the writer of Hebrews that many theologians believe is Paul himself writing where he admonishes, let no root of bitterness grow up among you. That's important for us to know because some pains in our life are simply there because we won't pluck up the seeds. We get offended and we can't seem to move on beyond the offense. And when we give them time, they begin to fester in our soul. We never are honest with people and say, you hurt me or you wounded me or what you did direct my life. And because we don't get those things out and we hold them in, those roots that are planted in our life begin to fester and they begin to grow. And they are unnursed wounds of disappointment. Some people have suffered betrayal and loss. Some have suffered abuse and abandonment at the most critical and and the most delicate seasons of your life that you were like Mephibosheth last week. You were looking for somebody to help you, but they dropped you, not because they meant to drop you, but because they did not have the capacity to sustain what God put on the inside of you, and you were looking for help for someone who could not give you that help, and when you could not give that help for them, you became bitter. That those roots of bitterness not only affect us, but they affect the people that are around us. Bitterness will leave you full of sickness and anger. Many people are going to doctors, and that's good. Doctors have their place. But I submit to you today that many people don't realize that the sickness in their life and the disease that is stemming from their life comes from the inside root of bitterness in their life. Because if you read down through Hebrews, you will learn that most of the stuff that we see in the seen realm starts first in the unseen realm. It is manifested from what is down on the inside of the spirit and many of us are sick in our bodies not because of genetics but many of us are sick because we're holding on to some things that are poisoning our spirit and we're holding on to some things that are poisoning our soul and not only are they destroying us but they are destroying the people that are around us that are dependent on us for a symbiotic relationship They give love and they need to receive love. But because we have not gotten past the point of our first offense and pain, we are unable and inept in being able to help them with their deliverance because we ourselves have not yet been delivered. 
If we want to be free from bitterness, we must be mindful of two things. One, what has planted the seed? What is the offense that has suffered you in your life that you cannot move on from? Many of us have had traumatic things that we put down and we try to pretend never happened. And if you lie long enough, you will begin to believe your own lie until the point we grow up and we try to go past that point of of where we were damaged. And when we do that, we don't realize just because you cover it up doesn't mean there's still not junk in our trunk. We look good on the outside and we have suits and we know how to use churches and Christian language. But all the time we are broken on the outside. We can say hallelujah anyhow to the people at church. But if you interviewed the people that were in our home, would they say that we had the peace that passes all understanding? Would they say that we are loving and patient and kind? Or would they say that we're impatient, nasty, crabby and mean and short tempered that we only know how to cover it up before so long and just like a werewolf when the sun goes down. We have to get in before people see who we truly are on the inside. I've come to tell you that you don't have to be two different people. God said that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation and God doesn't just want to save your soul. He wants to save your life. He wants you to have happiness. The word says, I would that thou prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. There is a revelation in that. We're trying to be healthy, but we don't realize that our soul is broken and you can never be whole until you're healed from the inside out. So we need to be honest with ourselves and review in our mind what happened to us that was traumatic and created this event that we can't move from. And also we have to ask something very important, not only where the seed is coming, but what is nurturing the soil so that seed will not die. Hmm. What are the elements that are in our environment that makes our bitterness thrive? I've come to tell you that birds of a feather flock together. And if you're cynical and you're nasty, you tend to find friends that are cynical and nasty. If you want a mirror of who you are, simply review your friends. Because birds of a feather often flock together. And you'll say, I'm nice, but I can't see why why she's like that. I keep trying to tell her that she's always nasty and she's always mean. That's because birds of a feather flock together. And it's easier to see somebody else's stuff than to see your own. But if they're comfortable hanging around you, chances are they're comfortable hanging around you because you're just like them. There's something on the inside of you that reminds them of themselves. And they are negative and cynical people. And sometimes our environment and our mentalities do not foster healing. That's why it's important to recognize when there is an offense or a pain in our life. And then we need to look around for people that are nursing those wounds and those weaknesses. In other words, that I have things going on in my life that I need to let go. But people are making it conducive and even prosperous for those things to be in my life. I know I should have grown up by now. Do you Have you ever met somebody who's much far on and they're matured in age, but they're seeming to be stuck in adolescence and they act like a child all the time? And a lot of times it's because we are helping to foster or create a culture that does not make them grow up. We allow for their weaknesses. And as a matter of fact, many of us are enablers. We have children and we have family that we won't give enough love 
love to say, I'm going to give you some tough love. It's time for you to grow up. You're too old not to be able to pay your bills. You're too old not to be able to get along with people. You're too old to be acting like this. You're too old to be running from broken relationship to broken relationship. And sometimes you got to deal with the junk in your trunk. And I don't care how long you try to cover it up, that junk will find you. And if you don't deal with your baggage, sooner or later your baggage will deal with you. Today we're going to uncover some principles that are going to allow us to go into that place of healing. That Those principles through the life of a man named Joseph that will help us to be able to be whole. My goal for you today is not just for you to be healed, but it is for you to be whole. Because it's possible to be healed physically and still broken psychologically. It's possible to be healed in my body. And we shout when God heals our body all the time, not realize and that our spirit is still broken. So we shout when somebody gets up out of a chair and they walk in their lane, but we ought to be shouting when people who are, have depression, it's beginning to fall off of them and they're beginning to be free. Because God doesn't want just the outside thing to be healed. He wants you to be whole. God is calling us to heal the whole man, not just a part of a man, not just the parts that we can see so we can feel like God moved in our life. But some of the greatest moves of God you will not recognize until after the move is done. I submit to you right now that God is doing something right now and you are a part of it and God is calling you to minister people into wholeness. The number one thing that we can do as we get ready to move to our part of wholeness is to trust in the Lord. Everybody say trust in the Lord. See, much of our bitterness comes from false conclusions. We're beings that need to make sense of everything in our lives. There has to be a reason. And if there is not a reason, we generally put a reason there because we need something to make sense of the pain that we're going through. So if we see somebody dealing with suffering, we don't learn how to have the ministry of presence and not say anything. We and just sit there with them and to minister to them just by letting them know I'm here and I care. We have to try to explain what going on in their lives and people are in the most painful seasons of their life and, when, and they've lost a mother or a father and we try and we mean well when we go up to them and say, say you know God doesn't make any mistakes it sounds good but it's not helpful at the moment but we have this need to try to find an answer for everything and we roll around in our subconscious being crippled about how we do everyday life we rehearse wrongs done to us over and over again in our mind and since we never often take the time to talk with those people who hurt us to begin to converse with those offenders and be honest with them of how they dealt with or in some cases those people are long dead and gone and we can't have that conversation with them. We've suffered death and egregious church hurt and other hurt and relationships in our lives and we allow our imagination to fill in the blanks. We see that behavior in the book of Job as all his friends are completely wrong about everything that Job is going through. They sound good. They sound theologically sound. They sound Everything they say seems to make sense, but they can't see what's going on behind the scenes. And although they're trying to be helpful, they are filling in the blanks incorrectly. And before we judge them too quickly, how many of us have found ourselves saying phrases like, they did this to me because of this? They don't like me because of this. 
or we go to the what I call soap opera mode where we get dramatic. They're trying to destroy me. You know, they really don't like me. They haven't ever liked me, and that's why they did what they did. And they're doing these things to me because they, they're just jealous, and they don't want to see me get ahead. And so now they're doing these things to us, or they meant to do this, or this is what they were trying to do, or they're always doing this. Or my favorite church lie, they make me. Nobody makes you. Why did you do that? Because he makes me mad. He doesn't make you mad. You choose to act on your anger. Why did you do that? Why are you sad? Because they make me sad. No, you chose to be sad. You chose not to deal with your offense because here's the thing you are not responsible for what people do to you but you are responsible for how you respond you can't stop people from dropping seeds in your life but you are responsible if you let that seed fester and don't deal with it Hmm. hallelujah now it's years later and we've held on to all these false narratives we've been mad at people for years and we made up in our mind why we mad at them. And we really don't even know why they mad at them. And we grow up and now our kids are mad at their kids. And if you ask why we're mad at one another, nobody even knows. We just don't like them. We just don't get along with them. Has anybody ever had people like that in your life or been that person? It's all because we don't deal with things and we like to put things off. And now here it is years later, we have held on to those false narratives and pain. We filled in the blanks because we need to create an object to receive our anger for a perceived offense. Some of us, if you ask in a, in a household, how was your life? They say, my life was great. And you'd ask the other child, and the other child says, my life was horrible. Our parents, I had the worst parents in the world. And the other one says that I had the best parents in the world. Why is that? Because of how we download and interpret information all about our perspective on how we look at things. And we, we don't have healthy glasses to look through. When we don't have healthy glasses of, our, of the windows of our soul, well, however these glasses look, if they're dirty, I'm going to see you, but you're going to be manipulated by what's in the glasses. So sometimes we manipulate reality of what really was because we're looking through the lenses of a broken soul. We've got to heal our souls to be able to see correctly. They were hurt. And many times we're mad at our parents. Oftentimes your parent wasn't trying to hurt you. It's just that they were inexperienced and trying to do the best they could. And it's not until you start making mistakes yourself and realizing how hard parenting is that you really learn to appreciate your parents and you don't realize that your parents were growing while you were growing and all of you were growing up and they did the best they could and the best they knew how. Yes, they yelled at you unnecessarily and it damaged your soul, but if we understand and look back through history, we'll realize that they yelled at you because mama yelled at them and that's the only way she knew how to deal with conflict and anger so she screamed when she got angry and she talked to her kids any kind of way and she she thought it was okay to be nice to the people outside but the screen can't you ever get stuff right i'm sick of you i'm gonna beat you down i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm you're cruising for a bruising if you don't get right and we thought that was cool yeah that's right get them right no that's wrong that means you're dysfunctional because you can't control your anger and what you're saying to your child is you're the you're the adult and i'm the child because I can't control my anger enough to realize that children are going to be children because when a child is a child, Paul said, when I was a child, I what? Spoke as a child. I acted as a child. And many times we're mad at kids for being 
kid. And we think the problem is that the kid is getting on our nerves. The problem is that our nerves are so thin and fickle that we can't handle children being children. And we say stuff to our kids that damage them. And when we plant those seeds in them, when they produce, when they have kids, they continue the same destructive cycle. (laughs) I must have hit something. It's gotten quiet. But until you say something, you shouldn't be so hard to judge. There were a lot of things as a child I didn't think was fair in my home. But as I got older and I saw the things that my mother did, and I I thought mama was being mean, and I realized at one point in time some things that my mother did I thought was unfair. I thought she was doing for this reason or that. I filled in the blanks. But what mother was really trying to do for me was let me know that It's hard for me to raise a man because I'm not a man. I can't tell you how to be something that I'm not. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try my best way to put you in the way of real men so you can see what real men look like and become a man. And so how she did that, she would always point to my older brothers and she would say, you know, Lawrence is doing this and he's doing this. Why can't you be more like Lawrence? And, and, And it built up a root of bitterness into me that for years I was mad at my own brother because what she was saying to me or what I was interpreting was, you're never going to be good enough. And I tried hard enough and I became bitter to the point that I didn't even want to hear Lawrence's name. And Lawrence loved me. And I love my brother very dearly. Me and my brothers all have a special bond and a relationship. We're really close. But what she was really trying to say is, I don't know how to teach you how to be a man. So this is the best way I can communicate. Look at him. He's doing well and you will do well. But it wasn't until I got older that I really understood what she was really doing and I had to have the responsibility to heal it wasn't mama's fault she did the best she could she did the best that she knew how but if I allow myself to be crippled all my days by a misunderstanding it's not mama's fault it's my fault it's nobody else's fault that you stay in a pit and you stay in depression you can't blame anybody else it's your responsibility to get up and let Christ heal your heart will you let him set you free today will you get rid of all that hurt and all that anger and all that anguish and be responsible. And while we see that that does not erase the responsibilities for the people that have hurt us, their actions were damaging. But when you understand what you're actually dealing with, it helps the brokenness. It makes it a little easier to heal. It allows you to move forward. And today we're going to look at the life of David in three small points to show how David overcame a life that very well could have made him bitter. The number one thing, he was damaged because he was dared to dream. We're going to look at Psalms, uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 18 to 20. And I'd like you guys to read that with me if they have it on the screen. If not, I will read it. But it says this. It says, but they saw... Uh, him in a distance. Let's read it together. But they saw him in a distance, and before he reached him, they plotted to kill him. Stop. Who is he? who are they? Those are his brothers. Those are his own brothers. His own family. They share his own deoxyribonucleic acid, the thing we call DNA. Let's keep going. Let's see what they said. Ready, read. Here comes that dreamer. 
they said to each other, Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dream. Mm. Verse 20. It says, verse 20 says this, Come now, let's kill him and see and throw him into a cistern. I can't see correctly, and we'll see what becomes of his dreams. He was damaged just because he dared to dream. He shared his heart with people, his dream with people that he felt would be excited for him. And they damaged him. Has anybody been ever betrayed by somebody that was close to you? It hits a little different. When they're close to you, if it's somebody at work you really don't know, you, you can get over that. But what about the people who promised to love you, the people that you expect to love you? When it's your family that tries to hold you back or your friends that are smiling in your face while they're hugging you and holding the back of your coattail so you can't go any for, further, it hurts the most and it hits different when it's the people that you love. How many of us can identify with that? that somebody we loved turned on us. Not because of anything we did, but just because they were jealous of us. And we never got past that point of our pain. Even now, me mentioning it seems too painful to bear or move on. That I never thought a family member would say that to me. I never thought that a family member would do that to me. I never thought that they'd treat me this way. So anybody who sees this knows that Joseph has a right to be bitter, but it doesn't get better. Let's look at this. Not only was David damaged because he dared to dream, he was stabbed by the tr people that he tried to serve. When he sold into slavery and his brother Reuben saved his life by saying, just, just put him in the pit, let's not kill him. Reuben meant to come back and get him later. He sold into slavery. He serves faithfully into the house of Potiphar. Potiphar brings him on as a slave. And the Bible says that Potiphar's whole house was blessed because David was a good slave. He was a good employee and he did the best he could. But David was the victim of a desperate housewife. And she came in and she saw that David had muscles and, and she saw what she wanted from David. And she began to petition David, uh, not David, uh, <laughs> Joseph. She began to petition, petition Joseph. And when she couldn't get from Joseph what she wanted, when she was scorned and Joseph said, I can't be with you, that will wreck my life. You know what she did? She didn't get convicted and say, hey, you know what? That's right. I, I'm sorry about this. This will never happen again, she began to lie and connive and steal and conspire to wreck his life. And the coat that he left behind because he was trying to get away, she left that coat and she waited till her husband got home and she went and made sure that her husband believed the lie because she was vindictive and evil and she went from being the aggressor to the victim and now he's in the spot saying I was trying to do the right thing but now somebody has tried to take advantage of me and say that I was victimizing them and now I'm in prison and I'm being punished and they walk away scot-free and, and, and can you believe how bitter that would make you he was punished for doing 
the right thing. He was punished for trying to do what was right. And the person that did it to him walked along about their merry way. She enjoyed her life. She was rich and she enjoyed her niceties of life all while he's sitting in a prison. Not because he did wrong, but because he did right. Can you imagine how that made him feel? Have you ever been stabbed by somebody that you were trying to serve? Have you ever had people that you tried to help turn on you and hurt you, and when they couldn't get what they wanted from you, they threw you away? When they realized that they had no use for you? Not only did they throw you away, but they, they lied on you. And it wasn't bad enough that they lied on you. They went around trying to destroy you to other people. Knowing that they were in the wrong. But it wasn't well enough that you could fire them. They wouldn't be happy until they destroyed you. You ever been in a situation like that? It's a tough place to be, isn't it? Not only was he damaged because he dared to dream. Not only was he stabbed by people he tried to serve, but Joseph was a possessor of disappointment and broken promises. Even in prison, no matter where they put him, he seemed to keep getting better and better. And when he got to prison, there were two people from the king's house that came in, and Joseph began to interpret their dreams, and he helped the man to know that you're not going to get hung. It's this fellow over here. He's the perpetrator. He's going to get hung. And the man says, thank you so much for helping me, Joseph. I won't forget you when I get out. And as soon as he got out, he forgot him. When he got what he wanted, he left Joseph in prison. He helped him at the most critical point of his life. But when the baker was set free and in the position to help him, he forgot about him. He missed an opportunity for freedom. How many times have we cried over missed opportunities? We walk in regret about missed opportunities, and we even grow resentful over the one that got away or the job that I should have had or the life that I should have had or the things that should have happened to me. I, I, I should have waited, and because this happened to me in my life before I was ready for it to happen, I feel like that wrecked my life. I, I, I had this opportunity, and then we get mad at other people and say, if I hadn't met you, I'd be here. And now our husband and wives are hearing about it saying that I would be here if it it wasn't for you, and you were the reason that I couldn't get this job. You were the reason that I couldn't go here. Even they'll get mad at their kids and try to make their kids live the life that they couldn't because they say, I can't live the life that I wanted to live because I didn't want kids right now, and now I have kids, and they make their kids feel unwanted and unloved because they missed an opportunity. If you can't say amen. But this morning... I've got good news for you, that God is calling you out of despair. David put it this way in Psalms, I believe it's chapter 40. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of this horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock, and he established my goings. And this is a beautiful thing. It said, and he has put a new song. 
in my mouth and every praise is unto our God and many shall see it and shall trust in the Lord I've come to tell you that if you don't let bitterness take over your life bad things will happen but we serve a good God and he says that he can make all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to the purposes of God so what that you missed the opportunity so what that you didn't get the job so what that you didn't get the things that you wanted but guess what you're still fearfully and wonderfully made you're still blessed by the almighty God and God is still moving in your life pull up that power principle I want us to read these three power principles and we'll be gone let's read that together despair says the pit you're in is too deep but God can help you to fly let's say that again despair says the pit you're in is too deep but God can help you to fly where are you getting that from I hear the word of the Lord saying this you may feel like you're at rock bottom but I hear the word of God saying but they that wait upon the Lord he shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall walk and not be weary they shall run and not faint I've come to tell you no matter what disappointment you're in you are not so heavy and down that God can't pick you up and turn you around and put your feet on stable ground I'd like you to know that if you're in the pit today, that God is able to bring you out. The pit is not too deep. Disappointment can be dangerous. And the Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I've come to tell you that God's whole hope and purpose is that he will heal your broken heart and draw you closer to him. (laughs) Because I've got news for you this morning. I want you to repeat this after me. Bitterness can be beaten. And I'm going to teach you how to beat bitterness this morning. We look at Genesis chapter 41 as we get ready to close. Verses 51 through 52. Read that with me if you can. It says this, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said it's because God made me forget all of my trouble and all of my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of our suffering. Joseph was able to adjust and move on. He had not been with the best life in the world, but had he not, his children would have suffered. But Joseph had the uncanny ability that when life happened to him, he decided that life is only 90-10% of what happens to you and it's 90% of how you respond. And he says, like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm going to pick up the broken pieces and move on. I've come to tell you this morning that you can pick up the broken pieces of your life and you can move on. And he says, I will call calls my son Manasseh because the Lord has called me to forget all my trouble. He was able to move and adjust and move on, and you got to catch this. He had not been with his children uh, and, and began to opine. As a matter of fact, his wife and his kids didn't even know about his broken past. Because he allowed God to heal him, Manasseh was named to commemorate his healing. And Ephraim is a reminder that fruitlessness can come when we let things go and operate in the fullness of the situation that God has us in to be able to make the best of a bad situation. Put up that next power principle for me. I want us to read that together and declare victory. Let's read. Fruitfulness comes when we let things go and operate in the fullness in the situation God has us 
us in. Rather than let a bitter root grow, we should bloom where we are planted. I've come to tell you that God can help you bloom wherever you're planted. So what life didn't turn out the way you wanted, if you'll trust God and get rid of that bitter root, God can help you to capture up more in two days than you lost in two years. Joseph said that God had caused him to forget, and we know it's important for us to say this because when we say we forget, we think that we no longer remember, but that's not what Joseph is saying. He's not saying that God caused me to forget the event. We know he's still aware of the facts, but what he's saying is he had a cognitive but not an emotional retention. What does that mean? He didn't forget the offense. He just refused to let the offense immobilize him. You can remember an offense cognitively without being crippled emotionally. Come here, Victor. See, many of us, we stay at the point of offense all the way to the point for the day. Loosen that up for me. Yeah. We're called God is calling us. Give me, hold this mic for me, Victor. We get offended. And when we get offended, we think if we just ignore it and move on and not deal with the roots, but we stand up in our stomach, it's tying in knots, and we can't move them before long. We still have a little bit of we If we keep moving around, try to move it. Go that way every time we try to get away. It's pulling us back. Got a new job and a new opportunity. Go that way but I can't get along with people, so I, I lost the job. <laughs> yeah. Got, got a new relationship, made it past divorce. Go, go, go towards happiness. But I never dealt with the problems in the other one, so now I'm treating my spouse now like I did the other one and making them pay for what they did so I can never go what? Forward. And rather then try to fix it. I just go to church and say hallelujah anyhow. I don't get any counseling. I don't get any spiritual soul. And After a while, I get so tangled. I get so wrapped up in myself, in my situation, that even the little mobility that I had, I just came to church, brother. <laughs> and that's how a lot of us feel. I just came to church, and I still got a little bit trying to wiggle your feet. I'm trying to go, but let me go where I need to go. Bitterness won't let me go. I get wrapped around and around in circles, and before long, all my mobility is gone. And we see Victor when he gets here. But the whole time, that root has been growing. And because Victor didn't deal with it, not only is he broken and hurts everybody else, but he hurts himself. But if Victor will pick up the word of God, if Victor will surround himself with some good people that can speak life to him, if Victor can get to the point where he can get healing, after a while, Victor will begin to see some freedom. Now stop. Traumatic events happen in Victor's life, and he starts going back to the same old thing. But if he won't do that, if he'll keep his eyes fixed on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith after a while, the enemy gets mad, and he starts running, trying to grab the rope. But if you can stay close to Jesus for long, it's too late, and Victor's going to break free, and he's going to run, and he's going to get away. And he says, I'm going to run. 
That's how we should run from the things that are holding us back. Which brings our last power principle for the day. Pull it up on the screen and we're going to go. I want you to keep this and I want you to take it with you. It's the last power principle. All those things are the things that are holding us back. They may not have put it there, but I want you to hear this. You can't fully move into your destiny until you've made peace with your history. You can't ever run like God wants you to run. And do the things that God wants you to do. Until you deal with the things that are in your past. I declare to you today that if any of these things on the screen are you, that you run to this altar today like Victor. And cast them at the feet of Jesus. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 says, Pursue peace with all men, sanctification without which no man will see the Lord. Then it says, See to it that no bitter root comes, huh, that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no bitter root springs up. I like that. Why? Because it doesn't ask you to do it. It commands you to do it. It's your responsibility that no bitter root springs up in you. If they never apologize, if they never say they're sorry, You're not responsible for what they did to you. But you are responsible for your own wholeness and healing. Will you trust them today? As we prepare to close today, is there something that you want to lay at this altar? Is there some brokenness and bitterness that you need to be? God wants you to walk around with a smile on your face. The word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God wants you to have joy. He loves you today. Let's pray. God, right now I pray that you will speak to our hearts and our minds as the altar begins to open, as we begin to beat bitterness. Lord, I pray for freedom and deliverance, that you will set our hearts and our minds free. He declared that In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brother Dave.